the guy's name so let's find out what it is hey look everything is stories is Mike Martinez right right really huh okay cool cool so I produce this shit that's cool I don't know what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck what the Okay, what res metal is. It's res metal. Reservation metal. Let's do it. Reservation metal, baby. My name is Kyle Felter. We're in Windrock, Arizona, my hometown. In a Hogan on my drummer's family's land. And this is basic dwelling of the Navajos that they used to you know, live in and culture-wise. And, and to me, Hogan's the uh, best place to play metal. <laughs> I would like to record it here, you know? I think it would sound really tight. There's a lot of bands, heavy metal bands, on the Navajo reservation. And for some reason, this music, this subculture, seems to permeate with, with the youth. What res metal is, is uh, res is sort of a, an inside word for reservation. Our brand of metal is different than anybody else. And whether you grew up with it or like myself, sort of tagged along with it and made it your own, it's blowing up. Uh, my mom, when I was in the womb, she would put headphones on and blast 
Metallica, Iron Maiden, Scorpions, Megadeth. And so I, yeah, I guess I was, I came out a metalhead. I grew up, you know, listening to Iron Maiden. I love the album covers. It made sense. I don't know, I just like dark imagery. Because, you know, it's not too great around here. It just takes you somewhere else. A lot of artists around here on the Navajo Nation, they, they, they write about what goes on, um, the struggles and, you know, uh, experiences here on the reservation that a lot of people outside of the reservation don't know about. A lot of frustration, a lot of... Uh... A lot of boredom out here, I guess you could say, you know, you need to find some way to, somewhere to channel it and just something positive, you know. We grew up poor, you know, but it's just like letting out aggression and energy. If we didn't have that metal subculture, <laughs> There'd be a lot more dead people around here because people are angry and frustrated everywhere. But for us in this barren, I guess it's not a wasteland, it's really beautiful, but it's, it's depressing being here. Suicide rate's a big, the biggest killer around here. And on the reservation, and it comes in waves. I mean, I've lost a couple friends over the past few years to, you know, to suicide. And, um, and it, it really sucks and like you don't even see it there's like signs that like, you would see but sometimes you don't see it and yeah it's just pretty crazy growing up on the res is basically a constant struggle there's no jobs there's little to no opportunity you have cultural roots um, that you grew up with with your grandparents and your family your parents before Western expansion, you know, we were, we were all right. We took care of ourselves and we were very self-sufficient. But when we had to conform to Western culture, that's where everything pretty much went straight to hell after that for us. Like I'm not a activist or anything, but I'm aware of our history and I, I'm proud to be a Navajo. It's hard to balance that cultural heritage as well as trying to live in the 21st century it's a constant struggle the, the cultural trauma passed down is what we play how we feel that anger that aggression growing our hair out just to find a, a safe haven for everybody you know just to get to a show music metal you know, it does it for you. it possesses you <laughs> like that's why we do that's a lot of people do it i know a lot of people it's it's changed their lives, it's saved their lives, and, and that's what keeps them going. All over the reservation, and the reservation is far apart, and there's no venues, so they host shows wherever they can, whether it's in the middle of nowhere, you can throw a show anywhere. That DIY mentality and attitude is one of the backbones to this, to this res metal scene. Yeah, DIY, you know, do it yourself. It's just really natural for us. And it's always been that way. Even, you know, when we had our band going, we would make our own stage and, you know, put up a show. You know, that's, I think that was the enjoyment of doing things, you know. And it still is. You do it because you love it. 
So you don't, it doesn't matter how if you have to build a stage or you know get a a flatbed truck to use as your stage. Oh, the passion with these rad shows, it's it's remarkable. I think this is this is an underground phenomenon that the world needs to see. For me, I I get I get into this mentality. I'm kind of you know, just easy going guy, you know. But like when you get on stage and like you have that mic and everything's like loud and then like it, it does something to you. It like it switches it switches you on and like you you're, I'm, I, I'm there to entertain you. I'm there to put on a show. I'm there to create a spectacle of myself, you know, because that's what it is. It's art. It's an art form. Around 1990, you know, you had death metal come along, so that kind of scared people, you know. Maybe that was the last time that you felt any kind of um, feelings about music, you know, kind of that dangerous attitude that rock stars talk about, you know. And when death metal came along, black metal, you know, that kind of brought that spirit back because it wasn't just an act. So the black metals really lived that life, you know. We were um, more of embracing dark sides of our culture, things that you're not supposed to talk about, you know, the, the black magic, those kind of things. We get in a whole different state of mind than who we were before. Um, just like, you know, if you were to put a mask on, you know, you put that mask on, and nobody knows it's you, so you can be a whole different person. To, to us, it, it kind of like relates to um, Navajo culture as well. Mm -hmm. Because uh, like in Navajo culture, there's um, like uh, witches, they're called uh, Yenikuoshi, yen and they have something similar like how the corpse paint looks, like it's black and white. And I think that's, that's the reason why we use it as well. Just like Western cultures, you have your good and bad. Over here, it's the same too. We have our good and bad. Uh, the good, you know, there's traditional ceremonies, healing ceremonies. You know, you go to go see a medicine man, get healed, you know, spiritually. And then there's the opposite of that. There's people that are out there that want to hurt you. And then they'll paint their face using ash and then they'll get blood, whatever, wipe it on their face and just go out and conjure up their their spells and try and make the person that they're out to get make their life their own living hell. A lot of bands are doing like right now currently are trying to 
show people around here that metal's not all that bad, especially here. You know, here on the reservation, metal metal is really popular, and just people don't see it because a lot of people like to advertise all the country shit. It's frowned upon. This is like country town. This is mostly country music. They don't play metal on the local stations. I have a lot of respect for all these bands. You know, we're we're not out here to butt heads and say who's who's better than who. It's just it's just one big family. I'm grateful for my struggles that I've been through. And you know, I'm proud, proud to be, you know, Native American. And to be a Native American that plays metal, as in the words of my cousin Ed, you shut up and jam, and you gotta live fast and play fast. What is going on ladies and gentlemen, AJ Good here at the House of Masks. The mask channel you never wanted, but you have now. And you know, I get asked a lot if my life-size Michael Myers freaks me out, or Slappy the Dummy, any of these masks, if I ever just get scared walking through my house. And the answer is no. They never really catch me off guard, maybe the first day or two that I haven't put up if I walk into the house and forget that they're there. But the mannequins and stuff themselves don't scare me. So what would freak me out if it's in my house? Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. There is a band from Australia with some of the freakiest imagery that I can remember seeing in my entire life. Genuine nightmare fuel. I made a post about this band recently on my Instagram and people lost their fucking minds. I'm still getting DMs and comments four or five days later thanking me for introducing people to this band. That band is Portal. Now, before I get into it with the band's imagery, I want to make it very clear that Portal is not for everybody. Their actual music is not for everyone. The music they play truly matches their imagery, and it makes for very hard listening. I can't even really place the band in any sort of genre aside from just metal in general because they don't have a sound. I imagine that their music is what it sounds like to be in hell. But enough with that, I am not a music channel, I am a mask channel, so let's talk about their look. While most of the band members just wear black cloth hoods, some have the eyes cut out, one of the guys even has a noose wrapped around his neck, the real main course here, the entree if you will, is the curator, the vocalist for the band. He's had many looks over the years and not one of them doesn't freak me out at least a little bit. So I'm gonna go ahead and put them in order real quick from 
my least favorite to my favorite and show you guys some images of them as we go. First up, my least favorite look, not to say that it's not a cool look, it's just my least favorite because his looks are so fucking scary, I have to place this one at the bottom. The Dark Pope. I do feel like this look is fucking rad, I just think that it's low on my list because the Pope thing has been done so many times since then, most notably with Marilyn Manson and Ghost. I do believe that the curator did this look before Ghost ever happened, so I think that they had the Dark Pope before Papa was ever a thing. But with that being said, Ghost has gotten huge, so we have definitely seen an increase in dark popes on Instagram and Pinterest and just in the mainstream media of heavy metal or the mask world. But the curator did do the dark pope before Ghost, so suck on that. And if you're not down with that, then we've just got two words for you. Suck it. Next up, we have the witch hat. This is another faceless version. This look just features a massive witch-style hat that covers the entire head and face of the curator. How he sees, let alone sings through that, is beyond me because there really doesn't appear to be any sort of opening whatsoever. But the fact that it's just a shape covering a human head is really fucking freaky to me. There doesn't have to be a lot going on. It's just weird to look at. Next up, probably the most infamous look from the band is the clock head. Who the fuck wouldn't think that this is cool? I fucking love this look. It's actually second on my list. I believe that this was the first glimpse of Portal that I ever saw years and years ago in some sort of metal magazine. I can't really remember what it was, but I remember seeing a small article about them and the clock head in a small photo, and I immediately went home and looked them up. Once again, another faceless inanimate object in place of a human head. This look itself really embodies how I perceive Portal. I feel like the curator is an ever-changing being that just kind of floats through time and picks where he wants to come out and how he wants to come out. So he makes a physical embodiment out of a piece of time in history. Sometimes he's a medieval queen, sometimes he's a witch, sometimes he's a pope, or sometimes he is time himself, thus giving us the clock head. Now the clock head itself actually features a small infinity sign with an hourglass behind it, thus further proving my point or my theory there. And the fact that the band is called Portal means that this dude has a portal or is a portal or whatever. That's just how I see it. So maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm looking too far into it, but those just seem like coincidences that are way too cool not to be true, so I'm gonna say that they're true. Side note, I would really- The portal is open.
fucking boss holy shit the person that that oh man they're just fucking so badass 
Don't get me wrong, Cannibal Corpse is cool. Sepultura, their boss. You know, Slayer, their boss. Metallica, their boss. And then there's this one band. I forgot what they're called. Dang, I gotta play them again. They were a fucking boss. Damn, I forgot their name, though. Shoot. I can see the album in my brain. Just can't think of the name. Oh, man, it was like a... Industrial metal is fucking badass. Not nail bomb. Nail bomb was good though. But uh, who was it? Fudge. Anyways, let's get back to this band. And I'll think about it. I'll be all meditating on it, sucking sucking my own dick uh, on the subject. You know what I mean? I'll be all. Oh, 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 I just fucking came. Oh yeah, I got it now. So here we go. You're on the brain, bitches. never find it. Let me see. Industrial... Uh, I just look it up. Let me try. Because I don't even remember one of their songs. Let me see. Uh, nine, let's see. 1995 Industrial Metal Bands. That's what I'll write. I'll write Industrial Metal Bands of 1995. Let's see. Let's see. Because it was fucking metal it was just badass i had the tape i played it like a million times i was like guys check this band out this band's bad oh this band sucks yeah it sucks because it's not on the fucking radio huh bitches bitches be all crab ass because they're not on the radio but you know i wasn't the radio type of dude i, I like don't get me wrong i enjoyed the fucking motherfuckers i enjoyed radio but we gotta find it right now let's do it Oh man, really guys? That's all you guys got for me? Come on. Shit. Come on. That's it? Shit. Come on. No, we're not looking for best. We're just... Yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. We got this. We got this. I think we got this, guys. I think we got this, guys. Let me try it. Those are the only one. They're only playing. Oh man, they're only showing like the popular shit. God damn it! Uh, I hate it when they do that. Uh, so let me see. Hold on, I'll find it. I'll find it, guys. Don't worry about it. Let me see. Dun, 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 dun. 
Once I get it, I'm gonna be so excited. I'm gonna be playing it for days. I'm gonna be all blah, nah, 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 I'll find it, I think. I think I'll find it. Because I know it was on, like... Huh, it's weird. I can't... F oh, there it is! Boom, bitches! Oh, dang. I got it, guys. Oh, I got it. You guys ready for it? You guys ready? <laughs> it's, like, it's like dead air on the 88.3 FM right now. It's kind of funny, except my voice. That's funny. But anyways, here we go. Nail bomb, bitches.
This show is brought to you by Jim Beam. Kentucky bourbon, baby. Ooh, straight up. Ooh. And Mississippi mud, black and tan. Porter and Pilsner beer. Oh, shit, that shit's so good. Tastes like a nice hot chocolate. Oh, slow good. Slow good. That was so fucking badass. That was Nail Bomb, guys. Do you guys remember Nail Bomb? Does anybody even know who Nail Bomb was? I did. I had their fucking tape. I was playing that shit over and over and over and over and over. I was playing that shit on my little radio show, Happy Time Radio Show, way back in the day. Damn, we should do some Happy Time Radio Show. That'd be sweet. But we're going to be doing some Happy Time Radio Show with the... The gentleman that used to live across the street from the other guy that used to be in my show, Happy Time Radio. Oh, but we want to, I, I kind of, I kind of, oh, wait a minute, Phil and Selma and the illegals. Oh, snap, let's do it.
motherfucking place in mid-air in this next song. I want to see you jumping up and down. Oh, you all it. This is one called Becoming, yeah.
some fucking noise! Thank you so much! It's great to be here, man! I'm gonna ask a common question here. Are you having a good fucking time in this motherfucker? I love to hear it. It's good. Thank you. We can play a million things. What do you want to hear? Oh, damn, for real? Shit. I know, right? Let's get it low. Let's get it low. I got one for you, motherfuckers. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. I want everyone to know that every time, every night that we play these fucking songs, it is a maximum tribute to Dimebag and Vince, man. Give it up for This next song is one of the last songs we wrote together. But it's Amen. a fucking good one, man. Amen. This one called Amen. Yesterday Don't Be Shit. Amen, this is church. This real church, motherfuckers. Yeah. 
beautifully with me right here. You can start, you motherfucker.
right, we better get to the next hour. I hope you guys are loving it on the brain. You on the brain, bitches? You on the brain, bitches. You on the brain, bitches. You on the brain, bitches. Drinking that bourbon. You on the brain, bitches. You on the brain, bitches. You on the brain, bitches. Drinking that bourbon. Drinking that bourbon. Drinking that bourbon. Drinking that what? Drinking that bourbon. That's a... Bourbon burpee, bourbon burpee, bourbon burpee. It's a bourbon burp. You be loving it. Ah, 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 ah. So good for me. I don't know about you guys. Who's so good? money we've ever had with a different kind of money comes a different kind of card crypto.com visa card powered by crypto reserve yours now
USAA life insurance for families like the Wilsons, who have big plans, but very little time. And their to-do list never stops growing. So when they heard about easy quotes from USAA life insurance company, they said, done. USAA, what you're made of, we're made for. USAA. Life insurance provided by USAA Life Insurance Company, San Antonio, Texas. USAA Life Insurance Company has sole financial responsibility for its own products. If you could push rewind, I think we'd find 
begins when you're ready to face it. I've changed my mind because I'm stuck on the state of the nation.
Russia, hardcore metal, baby. Let's get it on. Oh, 
if you're an accredited investor, I have big news. In the last 12 months, I bought five major American brands. I bought. My girlfriend always won free tickets. I, she just sat by the radio. Yeah, one time I went after work, she called me. So I won tickets to Metallica and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. I took a shower, got ready. I, tie, I didn't tie my shoes. I didn't tie my shoes. And I got in the mosh. She pushed me in the mosh pit. And I got my shoestring stepped on, and I got trampled. After a while, I got up punching, and it was crazy. I was sore up and down. But I, that was my fault. I didn't tie my shoes. When you're growing up, like around here, there's no jobs. And put on the reservations after a while, after a time, anger gets passed down generation to generation. And we're starting to express ourselves for it. Sounds absurd to people, but to us, is we're telling people, hey, we're fucking Navajos, and we play black metal, and that's who we are. Heavy metal here in the reservation is really different because you never heard of it. Everybody thinks we're like just a bunch of crazy Indians, you know, getting wild. My name is Kyle Felter. We're in Windrock, Arizona, my hometown, in a hogan on my drummer's family's land. And this is basic dwelling of the Navajo that they used to you know, live in and culture-wise. And, and to me, a hogan's the uh, best place to play metal. <laughs> I would like to record it here, you know? I think it would sound really tight. There's a lot of bands, heavy metal bands, on the Navajo reservation. And for some reason, this music, this subculture, seems to permeate with, with the youth. What res metal is, is uh, res is sort of a, an inside word for reservation. Our brand of metal is different than anybody else. And whether you grew up with it or, like myself, sort of tag. Like around here, there's no jobs put on the reservations after a while, after a time, anger gets passed down generation to generation, and we're starting to express ourselves for it. it. Sounds absurd to people, but to us, it's we're telling people, hey, we're fucking Navajos, and we play black metal, and that's who we are. Heavy metal here in the reservation is really different, because you never heard of it. Everybody thinks we're like just a bunch of crazy Indians, you know, getting wild. All right, we're going to get more of that after these messages. This is some badass metal from the dirt. See, I was, I was Cherokee Indian, and these guys are Navajo metal Indian. What's up? I love Navajo myself. Yeah, I don't know. How the, you know, the Navajo and the Cherokee, you know, I don't know if they got butthurt on each other, but, you know, I'm cool with all the Indians, you know. We got to all stick together, brothers, you know what I'm saying? 
You know what I'm saying? This is our land. Remember? Remember? You forgot about that shit. I know. I know. We've been so fucked up in the asshole by the feds. We've been so fucked in the asshole by the motherfucking feds like we somebody. But we not. We'll be right back. You on the brain, bitches! You! The old people babble incessantly With their endlessly monosyllabic refrains The problems they have can be avoided But one That's the sound of the man getting 700 LTC Latoshi. That's the sound of the man getting 700 Latoshi. I don't know if you know about Latoshi, but you might know about Satoshi, the bit. Coin cash. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I hit 103. Let's try it harder. Come on, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Uh, I got 45, so I got 103 Satoshi. Bitcoin Cash, baby. Ooh. You guys know, if you guys want to know more about that, just go to the Facebook page. Listen to me fart right now. Oh, fucking farted, people. Oh, you fucking love it. Oh, I know. So good for you. Oh, the microphone don't smell like poop. <laughs> I got a clean asshole. I got a clean asshole when I fart. Oh, it stinks though. Dang, I got a rip. Oh, it smells like uh, cinnamon buns. Yeah. Cinnamon buns, you know? <laughs> cinnamon buns. <laughs> oh, you're on the fucking brain. I'm waiting for my, my, my fat burger. I got two of them. I got two triples. Two triple cheeseburgers. That means three half pound patties i mean these things are fucking ginormous fat burger baby oh i love it and then they got the works on it i just i just don't use the tomato fuck the tomato fuck a tomato you guys go fuck a tomato i don't want to touch the tomato that's so disgusting 
If I want some fruit, I'll go get some fucking cherries or something. You know what I mean? I don't need no fucking fruit on my fucking hamburger. Oh, and then I put extra mustard on it. Extra pickle. Oh, extra relish. Oh, fuck. Absolutely zero ketchup. Even though when I was younger, I used to wear a t-shirt that read, I eat my ketchup with my ketchup. I miss that t-shirt, but you know. I used to wear it mainly just for fun. I I didn't really, it wasn't that much of a ketchup, man. But I just thought the shirt was badass. I got it at a thrift store. One of those secondhand type clothing stores. I love those places, you know. Find some cool stuff in there. Find some cool-ass clothes. Especially me when I'm doing my fucking filming. I, I need to find some cheap-ass clothes. I can't be buying cheesy-ass fucking... Cheesy-ass brand-name caca. Fuck that shit. Damn. I ain't into that. I'm sorry, people. I ain't into that brand-name cheese. Sorry. More money for my honey. So she could buy the brand-name cheese. Fuck. This sucks, right? Oh, well, whatever. So I'm just fucking leveling up over here on my game. Bam, bam, bam. I'm going to bam it. Oh, there we go. So I got my game. I got a video game that I'm playing, making cryptocurrency on it. It's fucking cool, man. And I'm doing an Easter egg, faster cash type thing. It's pretty cool. I'm making way too much coinage because I I was able to uh, uh, spend a few dollars. For some blast into the past, baby. And I'm just like rocking it, making all the money. Damn. Give it to me, baby. Oh ho, oh ho. Give it to me, baby. Oh ho, oh ho. Give it to me, baby. Oh ho, oh ho. Oh ho, oh ho. I'm pretty fry for an American. Ha ha ha. Ah ha ha ha. I was born and raised Californian, so technically I say I'm a Californian. Born and raised to live here, bitch. Traveling around, writing. Oh shit, bitches! <sighs> Fuck, guys. Lawrence Ferlinghetti passed away on in February. I just found out like a week ago, guys. I was all bummed out. Oh man, what the freak, people! What? He was 102, I believe. Let me check. I think he was 101. Oh, man. Man. I saw him briefly at his live worms. No, I couldn't see him there. No, I never saw him. What am I saying? I never got to see him. I almost saw him, but nope. He was sick that day. He was sicky poo-poo. Oh, man. But I got to hang out with my boys, so we were out hanging out, getting all drank. Getting out drink. I'm drinking my bourbon right now, guys. But we're gonna hit some Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Oh man, Lawrence. Lawrence, the last of the beat poets. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Well, I gotta get a hit in the whack. Oh well. You guys get to hear me all fucking drug talking about. We're we're gonna we're gonna go straight to Lawrence Ferlinghetti. He's going to quote 
uh, one of his pieces called The World is a Beautiful Place. Let's just do the rest of this show. Stray for Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Love you, brother, out there in the wilderness. That I have no idea what it is yet, but I love it. City Lights Bookstore, San Francisco. Uh, with some traffic noise which may punctuate the poems. is a beautiful place to be born into if you don't mind happiness not always being so very much fun if you don't mind a touch of hell now and then just when everything is fine because even in heaven they don't sing all the time the world is a beautiful place to be born into if you don't mind some people dying all the time or maybe only starving some of the time which isn't half so bad if it isn't you. Oh, the world is a beautiful place to be born into. If you don't much mind a few dead minds in the higher places or a bomb or two now and then in your upturned faces or such other improprieties as our name brand societies pray to with its men of distinction and its men of extinction and its priests and other patrolmen and its various segregations and congressional investigations and other constipations that our fool flesh is heir to. Yes, the world is the best place of all for a lot of such things as making the fun scene and making the love scene and making the sad scene and singing low songs and having inspirations and walking around looking at everything and smelling flowers and goosing statues and even thinking and kissing people and making babies and wearing pants and waving hats and dancing and going swimming in rivers on picnics in the middle of the summer and just generally living it up. Yes, but then right in the middle of it comes the smiling mortician. Hello, everyone. My name's Peter Coyote. And uh, you might know me as an actor or a writer or from some of my Dharma talks as a Zen Buddhist priest. In that last capacity, I did memorial ceremony this morning for Larry Ferlinghetti, who died yesterday. And I wanted to talk about him just a minute because to me, he was an exemplar of what an individual can do by being constant, by being dedicated, by having a high and fixed intention. I discovered him when I was about 14 or 15 years old through uh, his book, Coney Island of the Mind. And at that point, I was developing a kind of counterculture stance. And here was this adult
This is Democracy Now! I'm Amy Goodman. As we celebrate today, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, a leading literary figure of the Beat Generation who turned 100 on Sunday. Ferlinghetti is a poet, bookseller, book publisher, artist, and activist. In 1953, he co-founded City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, the first all-paperback bookshop in the country. Two years later, Lawrence Ferlinghetti launched the City Lights Publishing House. Both institutions are still running today. City Lights might be best known as the publisher of Allen Ginsberg's landmark poem, Howl. It revolutionized American poetry and American consciousness, but it also led Ferlinghetti and his publishing partner being arrested and put on trial for obscenity. In 2007, I interviewed Lawrence Ferlinghetti in San Francisco. Well, this is uh, poetry as insurgent art, which is uh, being published September 30th by New Directions and has a couple of inscriptions at the beginning. One uh, after Bertolt Brecht. What times are these when to write a poem about love is about a cr is almost a crime because it con contains so many silences about so many horrors. And then another uh, quote, we apologize for the inconvenience, but this is a revolution, subcomandante sub Marcos. And the book begins, this is a prose book, poetry as insurgent art. I am signaling you through the flames. The North Pole is not where it used to be. Manifest destiny is no longer manifest. Civilization self-destructs. The goddess Nemesis is knocking at the door. What are poets for in such an age? What is the use of poetry? If you would be a poet, create works capable of answering the challenge of apocalyptic time. I Am Waiting by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. I am waiting for my case to come up, and I am waiting for a rebirth of wonder. And I am waiting for someone to really discover America and wail. And I am waiting for the discovery of a new symbolic Western frontier. And I am waiting for the American Eagle to really spread its wings and straighten up and fly right. And I am waiting for the age of anxiety to drop dead and I am waiting for the war to be fought, which will make the world safe for anarchy. And I am waiting for the final withering away of all governments. And I am perpetually awaiting a rebirth of wonder. Underwear, yeah, underwear. That's a serious subject, underwear. I haven't, I, I uh, didn't get much sleep last night thinking about underwear. Have you ever stopped to consider underwear in the abstract? When you really dig into it, some shocking problems are raised. I Am Waiting by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Folks, 
All right, my next guest tonight is considered among the most important American poets of this century. Uh, he's been part of the Beat Generation, the Yippies, and currently he's released a collection of poems called Cosmopolitan Greetings. It is a real pleasure to welcome Allen Ginsberg. Yeah. Oh, good. We, uh, I, something caught my eye. I was known for a while that I was going to talk to, and the other day someone brought it to my attention that you did a Gap ad. Right. Which yeah. I think we actually have. Do we have that? Can we see? We dissolve to it. There you are. You can't see on the left. It says, all proceeds for this image go to the Jack Kerouac School of Poetics in Naropa Institute, Boulder, Colorado. Oh, that's great. This yeah. goes to the I got Jack my alibi. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, uh, that's a good cause. I have my alibi for not selling out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Not, yeah. not many people do. Uh, let me ask you... Not many people sell out or have the alibi. <laughs> uh, well, the latter, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think plenty of people sell out. Uh, you, um, you mentioned uh, Jack Kerouac. I wanted to just yeah. very, very uh, quickly just paint the background picture. You, William Burroughs, uh, Jack Kerouac, part of the Beat Generation... Gregory uh, Corso, another great poet. Also. Mm -hmm. Back in the in the fifties and uh, it started in the forties. Yeah, it's fiftieth uh, anniversary this year, actually. Well, well, now, how do you know exactly what year it started? Because I remember the first time I met Kerouac and Burroughs. Well, well, it was Christmas forty-four, I guess it was. Forty-four. Okay, yeah. now, were you aware at the time that something was happening, or were you guys just living your lives, writing what you wanted to write, and were you oblivious that you were doing something that was going to be this important? Just living our lives, but at the same time, we felt that uh, we liked each other. Mm -hmm. I had some sense of sacred uh, friendliness about it, and sympathy with each other, and we'd all had a similar background. We all read Dostoevsky. And that, we, all, we, all, we all thought we were crazy. So, uh, and that brought you together. So, so that brought us together in the sense of uh, respecting each other's madness, so to speak. It is, uh, I think, what a lot of people in my generation don't appreciate. I came of age, I'm 31, I came of age, uh, you know, watching the Watergate hearings yeah. and, and growing up with all the unrest. And I just think of dissent as part of the American fabric, but it really wasn't. I mean, in the 40s and the, the yeah, you 50s. Gotta, you gotta remember, in those days we had censorship in books. In those days you couldn't print Henry Miller, even classics like Catullus or mm -hmm. uh, Satyricon or Petronius Arbiter, they had to be printed in Latin. You could, we weren't allowed to read them in English. You couldn't get Jean Genet, and Kerouac's early books, Burroughs' books were censored, even my work. You had a problem. Did You, you had a problem with Howell, was that right? When it yeah, first came out? So the, the customs held it up when it came in from England, and then the, some, some idiot juvenile vice squad tried to bust City Lights and Ferlinghetti, the poet who was the editor, mm -hmm. and put him on trial. But we won the trial. Mm -hmm. so you were on the uh, FBI's dangerous list, weren't you? Dangerous security, they call it. I think uh, I went to, wanted to go to Cuba to check it out, and I got kicked out of Cuba for objecting to Castro's anti-gay policy. He mm -hmm. put all the homosexuals in the theater school into a work camp. Mm -hmm. So I protested that, so I got kicked out of Cuba. And the day I arrived in, from Cuba by plane to Czechoslovakia, I found later I was put on the dangerous security list by the old queen, J. Edgar Hoover. So now, I, 
There's an irony. Well, that's interesting. You'd think that they would admire that you were kicked out of Cuba. Yeah, you'd think so. But that, those guys, listen, well, well, something I found later was that the police, be, the, the secret police behind the Iron Curtain and the secret police in America have a kind of understanding. It's one international mucous membrane network. <laughs> <laughs> they just... They just understand. All right, well... Yeah, they understand each other's needs. Yeah. Well, they did in those days, in any case. Now, uh, one question I wanted to ask is a lot of... Uh, you're a survivor. Jack Kerouac, for example, is not here today, and you are. Why is that? Well, I think the problem was um, I smoked a little pot, mm -hmm. as friends did. Kerouac drank. But you didn't inhale. That's oh, I, I inhaled. <laughs> but Kerouac drank, and dr drink is the killer. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, every year... 100,000 people in America die of alcohol. Mm -hmm. 430,000 people a year die of uh, cigarettes. And maybe 20 to 30,000, a tenth of that, die of illegal, illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. So the real drug problem in America is cigarettes and alcohol, actually. Mm -hmm. The whole rest of the war on drugs is a scam. Because after all, the CIA was involved, and so was Bush with Noriega for years, all the way back to Nixon's time. Everybody knows that anyway. Mm -hmm. So what are they making all that noise about? It's a lot of hot air. You think they just knew about it all along? And... Well, it was convenient for them not to know about it publicly. Now, it was, then it got to be convenient to know about Noriega publicly when Noriega double-crossed Bush on the Panama Canal Treaty. Mm -hmm. He wanted to carry out the treaty that uh, Carter had signed and mm -hmm. take over the Panama Canal. I think that was the reason that nobody mentioned sure. for the invasion of Panama. Now, in, in, in a lot of work that you do, there is a lot of politics. You're obviously someone who, who pays attention to politics and feels strongly about it. But that's not the real thrust of your work. Do you use that? You're, you're talking about, about bigger things in most of your work. And you're using yeah, that as an I'm example. Yeah, talking about my own heart or what goes through my mind. What I'm interested in is what do I really think as distinct from what you can see in the boob tube or mm -hmm. can see from Congress or can see from the president? We all have a private life. We all know what goes on in our own lives. But what we see in the papers is not like our real lives. Mm -hmm. In the media, it's not like our real lives with all the, the warts and all, and all the, the loves, mm -hmm. the feeling of sacred world, the, the peaceableness, meditation, or eros, or for my case, homosexuality. Mm -hmm. I don't see any real life out there in the media that is anything like the life I know about and lead with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. So that you're in touch with. Yeah, so the poetry is just an expression of what is my real feelings mm -hmm. as distinct from packaged, canned plastic. Right. All right, well, listen, we have to step away for one second. We'll be right back. We'll have more Allen Ginsberg after these.
Thompson. Go. Let's see. Fear and loathing Las Vegas with you as the policeman. How did it play out? Start over. Call my name like you just got here. San Francisco. Also, told by the rest of the band where they had to go retrieve Jim at his hotel that night because he hadn't shown up for the first set. Morrison was supposedly out of his mind on LSD. He insisted on performing the end and for the first time inserted the lines about killing his father and having sex with his mother. Val Kilmer is incorrectly wearing leather pants in this scene. Jim Morrison never wore leather pants on stage at the Whiskey A Go-Go. In reality, Morrison didn't start wearing leather pants on stage until almost a year after this, in June 1967, six months after the release of their debut album. Also, the Morrison character is shown in this scene and others with his shirt open. The real Jim Morrison almost never performed shirtless or even with an open shirt. Now I know what you're thinking. What about this picture? Or this one? We'll be right back, guys. 